Well, hello and welcome to another episode of A Better Conversation. I am Gus Simpson, and I do not have a good introduction for Aaron, so I'm just going to say I'm here sitting with the Aaron couch. How are you today, Aaron? You know, that was the best introduction that you've done so far. Um, I I feel like I failed, but... Gus, the illustrious Gus, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Feeling very illustrious this morning. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) three cups of coffee in. We're, We're going... Uh, we are continuing in Shaping Faith, uh, talking about uh, some of the elements of healthy community. Today, talking about uh, priorities. So Aaron, why why is priorities one of the things in here? And, and then there, another uh, word you could use for this would be your time, how you yeah. use your time, right? One of the things that happens when we implement the core four in our life is God starts to work on us. And there's two things that will be true of that. Number one, when God works in our life, he's always going to lead us to relationship. And number two, we're going to feel like we don't have time for those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing down the path of developing ourselves in the internal pieces and then rightly e- experiencing the external pieces starts to change us. And it changes what we prioritize. What we know to be true is that you always have time for your priorities. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if you're at work and somebody calls you and says, hey, I'm going to go play Frisbee golf or... Hey, I'm going to go um, wherever you go um, mm-hmm. to do cool things. Um, I'm going to go to Planet 3. And, um, you go, man, I, I would love Don't to... Don't do that, by the way. Yeah. If you're over the age of 30, you will get hurt. <laughs> you say, um, I don't have time to do that. I'm working right now. Mm-hmm. If the same person called you and said, hey, um, I was just driving down the street and saw that your wife or your husband or your child was in a car wreck mm-hmm. and there's an ambulance there, they're taking them to the hospital. All of a sudden, now work doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I always have time for my priorities. Yeah. So um, relationship isn't um, primarily a brokenness issue, even though all of my brokenness and all of your brokenness will manifest itself in relationship, which is why I think God calls us to it, because it's the only venue that actually forces us to be to, to deal with our own brokenness, to, mm-hmm. to become sanctified is the theological yeah. word. But... Um, the truth is whether or not I'm engaged in relationship is a priority issue. Is it enough of a priority in my life to make time for it? Because relationship, like for a lot of people, it's overwhelming. Like we have everything that we have to get done in our lives already. And especially if you have kids, like and you're chasing kids to sports and, and they're year round now. Like when I was a kid, if you, if you did anything out of season, like lift weights or do something extra or whatever, like that was bonus. Now, if you don't do that, you don't make the team. Mm-hmm. And so there's club and there's all. And, and so every weekend and, you know, as our culture becomes more secularized, Sundays are less and less sacred. Like my daughter's in club volleyball right now and she has five tournaments. Four of them are on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just... It just sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so like, there's this, like, I don't have time for this part or that party. And I certainly don't have time. You know, my, I pick up my kids from school. I run them through the drive through They got practice for two hours and they got to come home. I got to help them with their homework. And I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have time for a relationship. That's every day. Well, you always have time for your priorities. Mm-hmm. And, and what I would suggest is chasing your kids around, believing that your whole world is about them is not the best way to parent. Nope. That's the best way to make an entitled child. Yep. <laughs> um, and I know I'll have some emails from that. that that's uh, Gus, G-U-S at liferotp.com. All right. Um, um, yeah. Straight, <laughs> straight into the uh, spam folder. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I know that people are like, no, it's about being family and loving. It is all those things. But the best gift that you can give your kids is to actually be able to function well in the, in the world when they leave home. Mm-hmm. And when you help them believe that they're the only reason why the world exists, you didn't help them function in the world well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so the idea of being in a relationship for a lot of people is really overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. And so... Uh, Entering into relationships can have a tendency to feel like I'm going to be bled dry by that. and mm-hmm. Or on the flip side of that coin is you have people that are like, if I get into relationships, then I can then I can be happy. Then I can feel um, – and they're like uh, – they have a big vacuum hose sticking out of their belly button and they connect <laughs> it to the side of your head and suck the life out of you, right? So there's both sides in that, but they're yeah. both um, coming from this misperception of relationship and how, how to prioritize it well. Mm-hmm. Um, Every relationship has a giver and a taker. There's always a giver and there's always a taker. Now, in a healthy relationship, those roles shift. Mm-hmm. It's not they shift back and forth between the people. So, um, like with my with my closest friends, you know, there are times where uh, I'm strong and they're going through it, and I can be a strength and a support for them. And then there are times where they're doing really well and I'm struggling, and um, they can come in and be a strength and a support for me. And we we uh, Galatians says, carry one another's burdens. We do this mm-hmm. um, together, back and forth, and that's good. Um, when that doesn't happen, when there's always, when the giver and the taker are always the same, um, that gets really dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Over the long term, that that starts to really, really wear on the on the taker or on the giver. On the well, me, yeah. It does wear on, it actually wears on both of them because it's not how relationship is supposed to function. What's interesting, my, uh, and I've, I've seen this borne out thousands of times, is that the person who usually gets offended in the relationship first is the taker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's any number of reasons. You didn't meet my needs. You didn't do that the way I thought you should do it. You know, the taker is the one who gets offended first. Mm-hmm. And, and, they're, and they're the one that comes into the relationship and, and is trying to manipulate and distort it to get it back to the way they want it because they're trying to control because it works out really well for them the way the relationship is set up. It's just that they're, it doesn't work out any, really well for anyone else. Mm-hmm. So because of that tension and because we don't do relationship well as a culture, we don't we believe that if we admit that we need one another, it's weakness, which is not true. It's, it's created design that we need one another. Mm-hmm. It's not weakness. Um, because of all those things, we don't do relationship really well. We don't want to be open and honest. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be transparent. We don't do any of those things. It's just really easy to write relationships off. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. The problem with that is if you're really going to be serious about following God, he's always going to take us into relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, refer back to two, three weeks ago, talking about ownership, we get a lot deeper into that even. Yeah. It's just, and there's never going to be a time. You are never going to hit a time in your life where you say, I am close enough to God that I do not need other people. Mm-hmm. That will never happen in your life. In fact, if you're being honest about your relationship with the Lord, the closer you are to the Lord, the more that relationships with people matter to you. Mm-hmm. That's the priority shift. Um, the fact that you feel like you could stand on your own, it's just me and Jesus and I'm complete in Christ. Like I would go back to our conversation on Genesis two. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. Like God doesn't want it. God doesn't want that to be true of you. So there's never a place where he's going to lead you that you can say, I'll stand on my own, you know, though none go with me. Still, <laughs> yeah. I will follow. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll, you'll bail out. 
All right. So, uh, how then, how then do we set up our priority structure? So there's some simple verses in the Bible and it's really easy to distort them. You got to take, there's a, in hermeneutics, which is the rules by which we interpret the scripture. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a rule called the synthesis principle. What that means is you need to work at taking everything that the Bible says on a topic before you make a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And it's a general good practice because again, and we've talked about this before, when you pull a verse out, you can literally make the Bible say anything you want it to say Mm -hmm. if you're willing to misrepresent a verse and take it out of context. What you have to do is look at the entirety of the scripture. What What does it say across the spectrum? What does it say about this topic? And then we deduce what we're trying to communicate. Mm So just some verses. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, um, Jesus is in, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. He's been talking about, don't worry about what you should wear, what you should eat. These are things that pagans run after. God knows you need them. Mm-hmm. Consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin. Yet you're having, they've, uh, Solomon and all of his splinter was never adorned as one of these. Consider the birds of the air. Um, they, don't, they don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father provides for them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Now, let me explain righteousness, because I feel like this has been missed a little bit. Like, what he's saying is, when you're worried about meeting your self-needs, like that all is rooted in worry and questioning and not really understanding who God is and what he's like. When I seek first his kingdom, remember my two fundamental principles of kingdom, generosity and forgiveness. I seek those first, then I'm able to live in his righteousness. And the word, the righteousness there is not just following the rules. Righteousness is proper engagement with other people from God's perspective. That's what righteousness is. And if we don't get that right, then what we, we, what we miss is um, this is a relational command. It's not a personal holiness command. Mm, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a relational command. And... And the goal of it is um, that you stop freaking out about taking care of yourself, getting yourself right. And what you do is you start living rightly with other people. And all of a sudden, everything's taken care of. God takes care of all that stuff. All that stuff you're worried about, you don't need to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. God takes care of it all. Um, so that's what that, like our priority structure, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Um, so that's really significant. Like it's that's a relational command. It's not a just get right with God and have things internally right. That the have things internally right. That whole modus operandi of that is self preservation, mm-hmm. and that is where we get back to the what do we what do we wear those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, Philippians two says uh, three through five. It says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a whole big conversation to have here, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Then he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be clung to um, or grasped like uh, like I'm holding on to a rope and I have a thousand feet below me and this rope is the only thing keeping me there. Like That's the, the idea of being grasped. Um, what he says is, don't try to take care of yourself first. Don't try to take care of yourself first. This selfish ambition of now super important in the Roman world because they, it was built on this caste system. And, and in that system, 
everything that happened happened in order of the caste system, like where you participated in a meal, where you participated in gathering water, where you participated even in coming into a theater. Um, if you were going to go watch a play, uh, your highest level of the caste system went in first and got the best seats, and then the next, and then the next, and it went down until all the good seats were taken and everything that was left over was the the, it was the leftovers for the people who don't, you don't matter because you're not high enough up in the caste system. This reality of this verse is how the, the early church upended the Roman empire mm -hmm. in that when they would come together and eat, which they always came together around a meal. And I think that's a, that's a church tradition that still largely is in play. We like to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, they would eat in the Roman world according to the caste system. So the highest level eats first, then the next, then the next, then the next. Well, what happens if you run out of food and there's still people left that haven't eaten yet? Sorry, <laughs> we're full. Sorry, you're, mm -hmm. you're sorry you didn't get any. You're just not important enough. Too bad. So sad. Yeah, and that that by the way, that's the very that's the very thing that's happening in First Corinthians eleven when Paul says, "When you eat and drink the Lord's supper in an unworthy manner, what he says is some of you are getting drunk and some of you are left with nothing." Mm. What they did was they reinstituted a caste system and how people were taking the Lord's supper. Mm -hmm. He's like, "That's wrong. You're eating and drinking judgment on yourself," and it's tied into this very verse. Like you're doing this selfishly. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. That's the problem. Like our priority needs to be about making sure that all the, all the people around me have what they need first. Uh, and that's, again, going back to what we were talking about with the upending the Roman Empire. They So you have this group of people eating in a home and, and a slave is invited in. It's their first time. Mm -hmm. And they come and they're... There's a senator over here, and there's a decurion over here, and and all these really significant and important people, and so the slave just goes and sits in the corner, and and the group stops, and the senator goes over to grab food. Of course he would, but rather than eating it, he goes and serves this new slave, mm -hmm. and the slave's like, ah, I don't even know what to do with this. Like it's possible that it would be um, typical that the slave probably hasn't even eaten for a week, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. He's being served first. Mm -hmm. So then he, you know, what a slave treated like that by a senator, what's he gonna do? He's gonna run out, grab all of his slave friends, come back the next week and go, you'll never believe what these guys do, right? That's what happened. And then that slave is like, we're, let's go. And then the group is like, no, 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 you were here last week. You don't eat first now. Your friends, they get to eat mm -hmm. first, right? So everybody gets treated as valuable and, and we make sure that there's enough for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the power in that, like what they did. It wasn't their doctrine. It wasn't their thinking. It wasn't their right theology. They didn't even have any of that stuff <laughs> yet. Um, they didn't even have the Bible. What they had, I mean, they had the Hebrew scriptures, but limited knowledge about all that. What they had was this determination to care for one another first. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody talks about this concept of utopia, this perfect living world. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with utopia is as soon as anyone in that community acts selfishly, it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. Because it imposes on other people in order for me. To, the only way to actually have something close to utopia is when everyone in the group is 100% invested in the well-being of the other people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to meet your needs before I meet my own. And vice versa, you're going to meet my needs before you meet your own. And that way, that's the only way that we can guarantee that everybody's needs get mm -hmm. met. Um, and when a group of people is completely invested in that, it's actually pretty cool.
Yeah. Um, it works out really well, but that's what he's talking about. There is like your priority structure has got to be to take care of other people first. And then um, I, Luke 10, one of my favorite stories, cause it's so my childhood growing up. Um, <laughs> my mom was uh, a phenomenal hostess and my dad loved having people over, but my mom would slave in the kitchen and it's, it's like our, it's like our holidays still. Um, it's a running <laughs> joke in our family. My mom would slave away in the kitchen. My dad would just sit out in the living room with, with people. Um, you know, Martha gets mad about the fact that Mary won't help her get the food ready because mm-hmm. Martha wants to do something to make Jesus happy. And Jesus is saying, the thing that makes me happy is when we're connecting. Like that's the, you're missing that the doing of the thing mm-hmm. is not the thing. It's the connection that we experience in the process of getting the things done. That's the part that's the priority. And that's it. I love that story for that reason. Like Jesus, again, it's it's this relational call, yeah. this relational priority. And then um, in John fourteen fifteen, he says, "If you love me, you'll obey me. Mm-hmm. If if you love me, you'll obey me." And and right before that, he's defined what it means to obey him. Mm-hmm. He says, "By this, a new command I give you: love one another. By this, will all men know that you're my disciples mm-hmm. if you love one another." So with all this you're saying, as you start thinking through priorities, top priority should always be loving God, loving people, essentially. And that's how you filter out your decisions and how you prioritize one thing over another. Um, I'm, we're working from the assumption here, this is a faith-based podcast. So yeah. we're working from the assumption that people here really want to say that God is the boss of their life. Mm-hmm. You cannot say that and run from relationship mm-hmm. or avoid it or not not make it a priority in your life. You mm-hmm. can't. And and it may very well be overwhelming and it may let me validate every fear. Like it will hurt you and people will betray you and but you cannot say that God is the most important thing in your life and not be connected to people in relationship. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Gotcha. And I think the Bible reinforces that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And if that is then important to you, relationship, then that will be reflected in how you spend your time. Yep, absolutely. It's about your priorities, and I think, I think the you know part of the significance in that is, um, you know, we always have time for our priorities. If if you're like, I don't have time for a relationship, that's a God problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's a God problem. That's not a human problem. And I need to change my life, not leverage excuses now. Let me justify that because I know I'm going to have somebody give me an email. Like, let me give you the scenario of my life. What would you cut? I'm not saying you got to have a thousand relationships. Mm-hmm. Most of us couldn't even manage more than three or four relationships. Mm-hmm. But you better be focused on building some relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be connected to everybody, but you do need to be deeply connected to somebody. And that's significant. And what for most of us, we're like, I don't even... I remember I sat in a, I sat in a master's level class for pastors, leadership. So this is church leadership masters. Mm-hmm. The guy asked a question, how many of you have a close friend in your church? Myself and one other person who was also from my church raised our hands. In a group of 25 pastors getting a master's degree in church <laughs> leadership, of 25 people, 23 of them did not have a close friend in their church. So then he broadened the question and he said, how many of you have a close friend at all? And 
one more person put his hand in the air. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was just That's scary. Yeah. And, and I mean... <laughs> but it's like, is there any reason why the church is sick in yeah. America? Like it's because pastors don't feel like they have the freedom to be connected to anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, gosh, if, if you're not connected to anybody, you're not connected to God. Mm-hmm. So what are you giving people? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying, like, we're robbing ourselves of the beauty of the kingdom life of Christian living today mm-hmm. in hopes of some glad morning when this life is o'er. Um, we're missing the moment of God being fully present here with us amongst us mm-hmm. because there needs to be an us in order to have God amongst us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sad. And those guys were lonely. I mean, yeah. they were so... Well, and, you know, I think that's part of the reason you see so much, you know, scandal, you know, you see all these stories of pastors, you know, having some big moral failure or, you know, coming out that they were secretly alcoholics or cheating on their wife, whatever. And it's, I think a lot of it's because they don't, they've, they've, they're untouchable. They don't have those close relationships. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame for sure. All right. So Aaron, uh, before we close things down here, uh, any final points you want to make about priorities, saying time, prioritizing relationship? Yeah, I would say this. If you're really serious about following God, then you have to care about what God cares about. Like your Mm -hmm. priority structure has to become what God's priority structure is. And that's Mm -hmm. part of that core four, right? The the intimacy with God through worship and the surrender to God through prayer develops this trust that wherever he's taken me is good. Um, I surrender my will to God's will Mm -hmm. Um, in that my priorities become God's priorities. And that's not me making my priorities God's priorities. It's Mm -hmm. me making God's priorities mine. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful not to take the stuff that's important to you and figure out a way to manipulate that. Or try to impose it on on you. Well, God would want me to be happy, wouldn't he? Like that's a number, that's such a, (laughs) it's a gross distortion of God's will to say, well, God would want (laughs) me to be happy, wouldn't he? Um, So yeah, God's priorities have to become central to your life. That's how you're going to make decisions. It's how you're going to spend your time. It's how you're going to spend your money. It's how you're going to lead your family. It's how you're going to you know, make all kinds of decisions, purchasing decisions. It's, God's priorities have to be my priorities. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the one key reality in that is that when God's priorities become my priorities, they will always take me toward relationships, not away from them. Mm-hmm. And so I've got to be willing to make space in my life for relationships and connectedness. If not, then I'm never going to allow, I'm never really going to have God's priorities be mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, as you're saying that, I think the flip side of that is a way of evaluating whether or not you're currently saying good priorities is evaluating what your relational status is. Like, do you have people in your life? Are you connected to people? Mm-hmm. Are you, you know, in community? Mm-hmm. And if not, I think that's a sign that your priority structures out of whack somewhere. Yep. Yeah. And it's a great, conversation to have with somebody that you're close to. Like mm-hmm. if you're not close with anybody to have that conversation with, then you don't need to have that conversation. You need to fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be exploring this topic even more in our sermons this week at church. So uh, make sure you come check that out and engage with the material, uh, both at church and in your home groups later on as well. As always, make sure you share, subscribe, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you got any feedback, uh, please don't email me. Email Aaron at liferotp.com. <laughs> and uh, we'd love to hear, hear what your thoughts are and maybe answer some questions as they come up. Until next time, have a great week.